we are the misprints and this is unpublished and unqualified this is a podcast by aspiring writers for aspiring writers here we will analyze writing techniques using media and stories workshop pieces give out writing prompts and just figure out how to become writers i'm joy i'm parker i'm callie are you in the other room parker yep yep i don't why why didn't you tell me to stop for a second i could have waited (laughs) you know he does things that was bad pacing on my part which leads us into today's topic see that was a planned segue the whole time just ask me we're gonna be talking about pacing today and what is it even what is pacing what's good pacing what's bad pacing can something be fast paced but still be good or is it bad if it's fast or is it bad if it's slow is it good if it's slow what is what is pace how how do pace story how how um, so I can start off with just a little bit of what a definition of pacing is. So that's just kind of how like quickly or slowly your character is going to move through the overall like story arcs. It's just gonna be you know how much like action and how quickly it feels like the story is moving. That doesn't necessarily mean page count. It just means general action, general like continuation of things. So when something is fast paced, does that mean that the word count is really low? Or the page count is really low? Not necessarily, no. And if something is slow-paced? The things that are thousands of pages long that he would argue are fast-paced. Yeah, I would and have examples of. We were talking about death games last week when we were talking about Squid Game and how the pacing in that, and, and Parker was arguing the fact that the pacing was ruined when they went back after voting to get off of the squid game and blah 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 i'm misquoting what we said about what we misquoted about squid game so if you're wondering what i'm talking about just listen to last week's episode um which you titled squidward episode <laughs> squidward game our I, most squidward game episode it's i so- did not approve that title because i don't get it because i was never a spongebob kid but anyway <laughs> just sort of was like title it that and i went okay it's not the worst but i just like i looked at the episode and i went why there there were a lot of it's mostly based on the reddit memes about squid game that came out yeah there were a lot of memes that Uh, were like squidward game i don't know i haven't watched the show and it's like all these random clips of just oh like those ones oh that's yeah I saw someone who like had a had a squid costume that was like literally just like a kraken costume and said, "What I'm dressing up as Halloween? I don't know. I I didn't watch Squid Game." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of the what we were playing off of with our our title. But but off track, sorry. But talking about death games, um, because we were talking about Squid Game last week, and speaking of Hunger Games, the pacing of death games is you kind of have this thing that's driving it forward just by the nature of it being a death game. I feel like yeah, so you it should be very fast pace yeah like the story is like if you have a slow death game that is boring where's the stakes i know what you mean joy i know what you mean as far as like uh drawing out the pacing which is actually why i think that hunger game is a really good example it does one thing differently with its pacing that i think actually kind of helps the pacing just a little bit more as far as making it the right pacing every time. I did say that I liked what Squid Game did, I liked the reasons for it, but I would only mess with the pacing in that way if the reasons were right for it. In Hunger Games, I'm not gonna lie, I the first time I picked up Hunger Games, I put it down because it has a slow beginning, and that's not like the biggest thing. It's it's actually How really good. How long in the book does it take to actually get to the the game. I think it's like chapter two or three that we get the reaping and then from there we get another whole part of the book where we are like in the capital and getting ready for the games but we're not 
in the games until at least the second part of the novel, which is well, about 100 pages in. And to be fair, that's not what the Hunger Games isn't just about those games because you go on in the second and third book talking about the society yeah. and the capital and bringing that down and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I never even thought about it that way that like the death game is only a part of it. The big part of it is throwing down an entire political regime and society. And in order for characters to care about that, we also need to see just how televised, how made up these like participants in the game contestants are like are yeah how they're kind of like show like show pony around show horse yeah, yeah. i think that's the right thing. like it, it becomes a pageant it does so actually kind of on that tangent uh as what like hunger games does to set up its pacing especially with capital it's the one thing that i think uh it does differently from squid game where squid game it throws us into the death games then pulls us out and like oh. then goes back and does the exposition what hunger games does is it starts out with like just it does a little bit of it does it well it's not tolkien level exposition dump sure. but, but it it does definitely go into uh, very much uh let's establish the world let's establish district 12 let's establish a normal life and it starts out at a very low calmish pace like things aren't perfect in katniss's life but it's this is just kind of typical life it's got the inciting incident which uh makes it a little bit kind of captivates the reader gives us that little bit of sense of there's something different even for katniss we're thrown into this different world so we have the uncanny that kind of holds our attention but as far as what's actually going on for the pace of the novel this is just the beginning of the story and we definitely feel that where we're just getting that reaping day um like the activities and things that are going on from there we start increasing the pace. We, the stakes are raised. I will say that whenever you're like looking at the pacing, also look at the stakes that are involved. The more in your face the stakes are, the like faster pace uh, the novel is at that given point. So, which also, have- I'm just going to interject for a second. I also, I, I was reading this this before we started that I thought it was kind of interesting that when something is fast paced, it doesn't necessarily mean that like you're going through events quicker and using less time to explain mm-hmm. this or that. It just means that the stakes are high enough or the action is going or it's tense enough that your reader wants to read faster, yeah. which is different. Because I didn't even like think about that because in slow paced stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, use a lot of like detail and kind of just like draw out your sentences, make them longer in action. You just kind of get like straight to the point. But also like when it's fast paced and it's an action sequence, I'm not as a reader going to read that slowly because I'm in it. I'm in the action. You don't run slowly. That's not what you do in a death game. Like you, you got to go. And unless so they watch. Then you run slowly. <laughs> unless it's yeah, what? Baywatch the death game. Baywatch. Uh, yeah. So, Joy, I... I agree with that. I will say as far as like action scenes, typically try to write them just so that you actually have shorter sentences. It does help with that uh, that readability for those scenes because you're right. When the stakes are that high, you're not going to like be wasting time. So it helps to encourage the readers to read it a little bit faster and it gives it that faster feel. That is a stylistic choice. You don't have to do it, but it can be that little bit of seasoning on your uh on your action scene that like puts it to that peak perfection that has gordon ramsay going oh yeah this is some good food Uh, that is not what gordon ramsay says idea of like the mirror or form mirroring content so like what your actual writing is doing kind of mirroring what 
the story's talking about. Um, which is, it's far more seen in something like poetry, where, you know, if you want it to feel disjointed, then you do the, like, and jammed lines where it stops in the middle of a sentence and then goes to, like, the next line of poetry. But you can do it in fiction and basically any other type of writing, too, where you know, you want something to be faster, so you're writing shorter sentences that are quicker to read. You're not going to stop and have the character really be looking at other things happening outside of this direct action, where if you want to have, you know, more of an introspective moment, it's going to be slower, the sentences might be longer, things like that. Pacing is weird. There's so much to Indeed. think about. It's one of those things where, like, we were talking about it last week, and we're like, oh, we should hit on that one of these times, and, like, we're talking about it now, and I'm just like, I have never thought about that when, like, writing, you know? It's one of those things that you don't notice unless it's wrong, which is, well, like... I would say worrying about pacing is kind of a second step. You want to do that not really as much in your first draft as you do when you're editing. Agreed. I will say it is also one of those things that you get to be more familiar with it as you write and get a sense for where you should be going with what you're writing with, through experience. I feel like my pacing in some of my writing has gotten better because I am more familiar with like the shape of stories and kind of like where things need to be and um, around what time I'm wanting things to go a certain way. Mm -hmm. But I think that comes with experience and I'm still, I'm not claiming at all that I'm close to being um, like a master of it. It's just something that I've started to recognize is better in my writing than compared to previous writing. So I think Which it's something think, that comes with time. And that's like this entire podcast is me just recognizing things that like I never even like <laughs> thought about to look at before. Like, you know, the fact that Sinister probably has a fan group, you know, very important things. <laughs> very important things. We, we love Mr. Boogie and all those who stand him. We don't stand him, but if you do, like, raise our red solo cup to you, my friends. I'm so glad I'm standing Mr. Boogie, huh? I'm bored I, you, you, you can date your squids and stand your boogie things, Parker. I'll be over here. Um... <laughs> Date your squids and stand your boogies. Oh. I hope you know that I had had a raven send me a letter, and in it they're like, "I'm I'm really glad your your podcast going around." The only thing I have to say is be nicer to Parker. <laughs> We will be nicer to partner this episode. I think we Raven have been already. They're probably our biggest fan. Oh, I so already. shout out to Raven. Raven is seriously like they 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 be they be supporting. <laughs> They're awesome. We we love them. I remember we talked about this before about short stories and how you need to get to the point quicker and stuff like that. So is there is it is it possible to have a slow paced short story? Because a short story by nature is short, so you got to get to the thing fast. But can you I, be slow? I, I think you can. I think it comes down to how you utilize scene is really what it comes down to. Callie will be able to explain it in just a second because she is very familiar with scene with all the stuff that she's been studying. In fact, I'm sure there's a short story she knows, uh, if we're thinking about the same one, with an older lady who goes into a lot of introspection about a lot of characters around her. Another one that I will say is a little bit of a a slower play a slower pace short story it's still a short story it actually has like really good pacing but it feels a little bit slower because we have all these scenes is uh it's called the black phone 
It's what the new movie, the new horror movie by the same director as Sinister is coming out with, and it's really good. I would give it a read. Though, um, be warned, I, I would not read it if you want to watch the movie first, because I think it goes into a lot of spoilers for the movie. The movie seems to be very faithful to the short story. You mean to tell me that if you read a, a book that the movie is based after, that you get spoiled for what's going to happen in the movie? Not all- Believe it or not. Not always. Not always. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's go Aragon, Lightning Thief, um, even, How to train uh, dragon. Monsters, oh, what, what other one? Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I love the way we have that, uh, freeze frame at the end of the third book. That was my favorite thing. Oh my goodness. Okay, <laughs> with your Harry Potter, the third one, I would not say that you could read the book and not be spoiled for the movie. You just had issues with that movie outside of this. So don't listen to him on that one, but everything else he was saying, yeah, like... Okay, but all, but, but, like, pretty much all of them, you still got the basic plot of it. It's that, true. And the ending of it and stuff, that's still a spoiler. Like, we were talking about this before we hit record, but the lightning thief being a heist story, and how heist stories, like, you always think of, like, a heist film, but in a sense it's just a heist story, and how that plays into pacing and that sort of stuff because Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief like the OG one is just it is a heist novel if like the goal is to steal the, the no is to put something back wait yeah. wait or is he trying it, no it's it it's was trying to stolen re- it's trying to retrieve the lightning bolt Zeus's lightning bolt which I think is in the underworld uh and then Percy also has his own motivation to retrieve his mother, so he's trying to get both of those things back from the underworld. Little does he know it's in his backpack the whole time. Probably should have checked that. Weird that he didn't notice it, but anyway. Okay, it was just, a chance just... to only get there when he got to the underworld. Oh, oh you, got, you, you got me. Um, another another example, actually, of uh, a heist in the per- Lightning Thief, Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, is the following book, which is The Sea of Monsters, which they are also going to steal the golden fleece from uh, the Cyclops Island. I okay, that's way more of a heist thing because the lightning thief isn't. It's trying to fix something that was stolen. Also, how does Zeus not know where his own lightning bolt is? He doesn't have like a magical aura sense vibe herb nope. machine. No, no vibes. But you can't what? say name, otherwise he'll hear it. Is it like Bloody Mary? Zeus, Zeus, Zeus? <laughs> kind Zeus of. Zeus three times and look at the sky, he'll appear. <laughs> kind of. And That's you get struck down by lightning. Happens. Unless it's lost and in his in his backpack, then you're good. You just wait, got it, you know? Wait, so because, wait, no, we were just talking about this being a heist. It's not a heist. The first one isn't a heist. The second one is way more, more of a heist. Yeah. It's more of a heist. I still think that the first one is in some ways a heist because they are trying to go and steal back they are trying to steal back something that was stolen but it still requires that theft and they have to go the long way of getting it i would also say it is a little bit more of like uh almost like an adventure travel log type journal one because they go through all these stops and it doesn't necessarily it's help. a road trip book yeah it doesn't necessarily help them it's a road trip with a heist like driving it can we boil down like stories would be like it's a road trip book it's a heist book it's a but i don't know what another category is but you can do that with books yeah i think it comes down to a lot of the motivation or a lot of like what the scenes are so like lord just the tropes that they use yeah lord of the rings being uh like a road trip um 
book. It, it is road oh my trip. My gosh, book. wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, what is Harry Potter? Harry Potter is a coming of age story. As broad it's a hero's as the, journey. Yeah, as broad as that sounds. It's, it's also, a whiny kid's diary. Tell me I'm wrong. It's not diary of a wimpy kid. That is a cinematic masterpiece. I just a side note. I, I you know, when I read that in elementary school or whatever, I didn't really got or whatever, but I, I genuinely read Roderick's band as the uh it was loaded dipper. That's what yeah. I um or it was like lauded dipper, and I was like, that kind of seems like a punk name. That's cool. And then I read what it was actually supposed to be, and I was just like, Your misspelling of your stupid name was way better than your actual name. Wait. <laughs> Wait, no, but your styling with the like arrow was actually kind of cool. And then <laughs> and then that's what it was. And I was just like, that is disgusting. Wow. I was rooting I for you, Roderick, and now all so of much. my all of my uh um admiration? No, that's not right. I never admired Roderick. I don't know what the word is, but I was like, are like you serious? Respect? Yeah, something like that. I don't even like, remember the, the plot of those books. For him, just Fascination. Left morbid curiosity um i don't remember the, the plot of those books except for that the cheese touch then became a thing at my school along with every other school in america as soon as that book yeah. came out and became popular sounds about right yes and no one even followed the rules when it came to the cheese touch which was the bad thing i was just like i'm not gonna if lie to you i didn't ever read those books so i don't i read the second one it was the only one I read, um, and it was interesting. The thing is that I don't even. Did any of you guys ever play Hunger Games on the on the school playground in elementary school? I sure hope not. You guys ever? Is that was that a weird thing that I just did in elementary school? Just like out there murdering kids on the playground? Okay, not actually murder. It was. Oh, I get what you're meaning. Oh, I didn't really play Hunger Games. Me and my friend in elementary school would take our books to recess and read them, and. <laughs> We read the Hunger Games like three times that year. That's called playing Hunger Games at recess. <laughs> yeah, like, like if that's what you're meaning, then yeah, I did that all the time. Well, because I did that in the winter, but in the summer, I was trying to, you know, have friends. Crazy idea. But we wouldn't play Hunger Games where like the cornucopia was this big tree. And if you were touching the cornucopia, then you were safe. And it was kind of just like tag. But then they're like, oh, I have a bow and arrow now. I shot you. And then you go, no, you didn't. I go, I clearly did. Why are you not abiding by the rules we have clearly established? You cannot win simply because you want to. This is not how it works. But um, unfortunately, I was the only person with any kind of sane brain, and I was the only one willing to die and play by the rules, so it wasn't all that fun. So what you're saying was it didn't have great pacing. Exactly. There were no consequences to any of the actions. There was no lead oh, up. stakes. Yeah, there were no stakes. Speaking of stakes. That, I figured it out. So what your plot needs to be is you need to have like the all-you-can-eat-meat buffet. No vegetarians here. We need all the steaks. Well, if you're nothing but steaks the entire time, then you get sick of that diet real fast. You this gotta have true. some variety. salad in there, potatoes. Okay, so, so you really- need, You need some water. So really what it is, is we're starting out with like a couple course meal. You start with your salad and then- you, oh, well, you start with your bread first, then you go to your salad. A little your bread, bit it fills you up, it gives you some world building, gives you some exposition, gets you set up for the meal. Yeah, then you go to your salad, which uh, starts introducing more of those steaks. It's, uh, it's got a little bit more of a tang to it. There's a little bit more flavor going on, but it's not the main course. It's We're not to They're that. They're a little juicy. bit light. They're like the... Yeah. 
But you get some variety. It's not it's not bread. It's not like super heavy. But you know, you get some like, ooh, maybe there's a rutabaga in there. Ooh. Maybe maybe bread is like the world building, okay? And the salad's like your exposition. Like sometimes it can feel a little info dumpy. You maybe don't want that much of it. <laughs> But it is good for you. But it's so good for you, yeah. I like this. I like this. Let's keep this going. What's What comes then, next? Well, I, it depends on, like, how long you want to draw it out. I would say in the case of Squid Game and Hunger Games, the next part is the main course. So you get a three-course meal, and it's a big one. It's a whopping one. You got, like, steak marinated and all sorts of stuff. But, like, you got, because we, we got a lot of uh, juices flowing in this one. We got some, like, bloody games going on. We got some romance between characters. We got, like, uh... We got all this. So that's your main plot. Yeah, we got like the tension and like the every, tension and conflict. Everything's coming okay. to a head. Um, and and then you have some re- some resolution. You know, that's that's maybe that's like dessert. the sides. That's no, dessert. No, oh, okay, no, okay. No, no. Wait, what's dessert? <laughs> Incorrect. Okay, so then then you have like the things that are on the side of your main dish. You know, like you order a steak and it comes with like some mashed potatoes. So steak, that's your big conflict, big tension. Then maybe wait, the mashed potatoes. Wait, wait, wait. So we're talking about Hunger that's, Games. That's, what is, is what the is the steak in Hunger Games? Is that the Roman plot? Yeah, that's the Roman plot. So like, like Peter, side plots. Peter and uh, Katniss. That's they're the mashed potatoes, which makes wait, sense. What's the really steak? Part. Sorry. What's the steak? That's that's your main that's your main conflict. I know, but in terms of Hunger Games. Oh, oh, survive the Hunger Games. That's a, okay, yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm on board now. I'm on board. No, you're good. Or, you're good. Like, survive Squid Game. And then, uh, like, the mashed potatoes in Squid Game would be, like, North Korean girl and our main protagonist. Like, what's going on with them? And then the uh, rekindling of the friendship, possibly. And you don't always have to deliver on a resolution for those side things. Those side things are especially fun. Maybe they're not the... Like, maybe you don't finish them. Yeah. You know, you eat the main course, but sometimes it's a little bit of the side dips is left over, and you don't want a to-go box for just a couple of fries. Or maybe maybe it was uh, not, like, their greatest dish, and so it, it didn't satisfy you in that same way. It's good to ha- sometimes have that feeling. It lets you more fully appreciate the rest of the course. Okay, okay. So then, okay, so if those are the side things, then is it dessert? I suppose it could be dessert. Yeah. Come on, Kelly. Well, I know how much you love dessert. Why? 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 Why were you throwing out my uh, like because the resolution? Because it wasn't time yet. It wasn't time but, yet. So like. Okay. Well, now it's time. Tell me. Um, yeah, like, your resolution. You know, wrapping things up, putting a nice bow on it. You get that cherry on top. That's dessert. And sometimes dessert is not enough, and that's what we call sequel baiting. Sometimes they just give you a little bit, like like you know when it's your birthday, and they just give you like the tiny little sundae, and you, the whole table wants you to share. All three of them. Yes. Unless I'm mistaken. There are three of them. Do you, is each of the books a three course meal or is just the whole book, all three of the books overall, a three course meal with dessert just at the end? Oh, or is there dessert at I the end of every book? I would argue each of them is a three course meal. I would also say that together they go for three days of feasting. Like, like this is you getting together with people on Chinese New Year and you celebrate it right. So you spe- celebrate for like three days. If you're really celebrating correctly, I think it should be a week. But still, you are, you get together and you have those three course meals for those three days in a row, and that is your celebration. That and that's the Hunger Games because they follow a total art, which would incorporate all three of those days, and then each individual one also has like its three course meal and is like a complete. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, how would you be able to figure out like how to what what's an overarching thing versus like because. I once heard this 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 thing. I'm saying thing a lot. This thing with the, from the one thing about how. Well, what are, 
What if I reframe the series as maybe it's the three meals you get in a day? Oh, that's fair. So you have like your breakfast and for each, for all three meals today, you're having a full thing. So you have your full breakfast, you know, you're starting with a smoothie and then you're going to like just some eggs and then you're going for a bunch of pancakes. We can tell what Callie values in her mm. breakfast. Because I would have, I would have put the pancakes next, but the eggs, the eggs are the hearty bit and they're the ones that like would be the main course, but... If you eat a donut for breakfast, that is just tricking yourself into thinking that dessert is for breakfast. A dessert is for breakfast. I will... Change my mind. I, I would argue that that's just a cultural thing that we have anyway between pancakes and waffles and French toast. We eat, we eat dessert for breakfast as an American culture. Oh, it yeah. does not make All sense. The it's the most important meal of the day. Okay, then why am I starting it with literally just cupcakes disguised <laughs> as muffins? I... I think we should start it off the way that uh, they do in China with uh, jiaozi or some like some really good, just very savory things. But that's me or Monta. Monta is also really good. That's that's beside the point, though. We're we're getting off track. Yeah. We're losing our pacing. <laughs> We've lost our pacing a long time ago. It's fine. For that's, episode talking that's about just... pacing, we're not doing a great job of demonstrating it, but we're demonstrating we're telling you how other things are. <laughs> Jokes on you, audience, because the pacing was even worse when we were recording this. Now that you're listening to it, this is the better version of our pacing, and it's still this bad. <laughs> anyway, but then, then you know, you have like full breakfast. You know, you're going to a nice like hotel, not like not like a mm, free hotel IHOP. breakfast, but like like a fancy place. You know, you know, like when mm, you walk like IHOP. <laughs> <laughs> That's my idea of a fancy breakfast. I have. Oh, like, imagine you're watching a movie and, like, the princess gets, like, a full four-course meal for breakfast, right? Oh, yeah, with the little silver plates and the blah, blah, blah. And then lunch comes around and she comes in and, you know, you got to start with tea and, like, have the little sandwiches and then you get the full lunch and then you get your little, like... Okay, but question. Is it possible to have, like... Because I once heard every chapter has its own little mini circle and then those circles all add up to become a big circle which is your whole overarching story so like like but you can't just have a drab chapter the chapter has to have like something accomplished at the end of it that's a good general thing i would say and this is actually something that others recommend as well is that you should change the pacing of those chapters as well like, because if you go from, like, slow start to, like, high, like, cliffhanger ending each time, it loses its impact. So some of those chapters will start off high and actually go low. And so you got to kind of, like, figure out where your pacing is, what's going on, what's resolved, what's not resolved, where you're leaving off. And the same is true for, like, uh, long form with books. And that's why the Hunger Game, uh, Hunger Games series worked. It's because, uh, to go off your metaphor, um, someone kept drawing that circle and it kept spiraling out. And it became this much bigger thing with all the uh, thread um, that were woven together with those initial chapters. Everything has to connect together, and it connects together through C. Uh, which, again, is one of the things that I was pointing to with Callie's short story and how it felt a little bit longer, even though it wasn't necessarily longer because of the use of scene. Yeah. When you say so, the use of scene, what does that mean? So you want to have short stories have, and for stories in general, you want to have scenes. Right. So like a full the action is happening and it's happening like in real time, more or less. You're not just summarizing what happened. You're not speeding it up and being and making it seem a lot faster. You're not slowing it down and really taking your time. You're more having it happen like, oh, she goes and does this and then she does this and then she does this and describing it in the way that it would actually, I guess, like be taking place. So are you saying that scenes are like like how it is in like a play? Like they're the literal scenes of a play? 
Like, yeah, and you yeah. you see this in uh like in books all the time. Like Harry Potter, they'll have scenes where they give exposition, but the like there's a scene going around it. It's usually in the classroom that's going on. Uh, but there are other times when uh, remind me what the term, but like they pull away and they kind of paraphrase. And what what is that called, Cal? Like they pull away, and make it bigger. No, no, no. So like or they like... they speed through. Like time is no longer like slowed down. We're not focusing in on that point. We're zooming out and just kind of getting the over. Yeah. So I would call it a summary. Yeah. So... You're summarizing what happened. Exactly. And uh, Harry Potter also does this oftentimes between season break in the story. Um, I just think Harry Potter actually does a really good job of like different differentiating uh, scene from. Uh, summary um let's see oh wait so you're saying that like you need to have scenes and summaries you can't just have summaries and no scenes you can't just have scenes and no summaries is that what you're saying no for the most part i would argue yeah in any story you don't want to have it entirely told in scene you also don't want to have it entirely told in summary if you do have it told almost entirely in scene then it is uh, Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings, and you have written a very long novel. There's very little summary in there. Also, I'm thinking of things about, because of my musical theater background, I mean, I'm thinking of things like uh, um, Twelve Angry Men, or, uh, oh, 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 Jean-Paul's his his piece, No Exit. That is uh, a piece that it's, it's in real time. There's no yeah. speeding up or slowing down. There's no time jumps. There's no time skips. There's no anything. It's just all happening at once. Is that just one big scene as a short story? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, like every writing rule, it's made to be broken. And so you can actually have everything written in scene. The big thing is just you still need to have all of the pacing worked out. And that's the thing if you're writing in scene is just it won't go as fast so you won't be able to like see those uh resolutions play out as quickly as you would otherwise so you got to be very careful with keeping the scene entertaining making sure it serves a purpose and so on and so forth making sure it's grounded in some sort of reality or like something real Yep. occurring what do, what do you mean something real occurred like, like is something accomplished in the scene yeah and you want to have some things that kind of ground your person into their real space so if someone's having a conversation they're not just having a conversation like they're what? we're not having a conversation, a conversation right now and, like eating or having a conversation while someone's doing something you'll notice a lot of the things going on around you it'll be very detailed it will and that's kind of why we're saying it slows down the uh, pacing as far as just really putting you in that moment, making you feel uh, as if you're living second by second. So for an example, Harry Potter does a lot of scenes in the classroom. So they have things like the professor talking or people performing their, like practicing their spells, something bad happening. We talked about that a lot in our one episode about how to use school settings to mm-hmm. like teach something or do this or that. So I understand what you're saying with that because we talked about this. So I remember that. Um, Call back. Call back. But no, I didn't even like think about that. The fact that you have scenes and you have summaries because there's some things that you don't need to explain in real time. Like sometimes you also have what's called a dilation, which is where you explain like you really face it out and so rather than summarizing it super quickly you make it so the scene lasts longer than it would in real time so this is when you know maybe someone the best thing i can think of for it is the twilight spinoff like edward's point of view midnight sun he has like <laughs> Go a million plot going on in his head all of the time that you're listening to but it's in this very concrete scene so first time he meets bella it's probably like four pages for him 
because he's just thinking all of these things. But in her story, it was like a page because it was just I sat in class. This guy was weird. Class ended. Wait, what is uh, he talking? What is he thinking about? What is what does he have to think about? What should I murder her? How should I murder her? How could I cover this up? Oh no, that would be bad for my family. Oh, she's actually kind of pretty. Like so many mm. things, and in so much mm. detail. Boy has so many thoughts. See what I... it's a constant string of anxiety. What I would actually I um, be in. What would be another good example of a scene dilation like that is the Deadpool scene in the opening where the car's flipping and then it zooms in on Deadpool and he's like. Did I leave the stove on at home? And, and like something oh, like that. Oh, is this and the? Then, you're probably wondering how I got here. That also, yeah, that yeah, can work. That, or the like, is that also similar to like the the um the scene in in oh 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 um it's magic um uh, the scene in Hamilton where he goes like uh he's shoots his pistol at the sky wait and then it's the yeah. like it pauses yes, 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 yes. Yes. and it's like ah uh, okay. It's the, like, okay. turn out to the audience, let me think about my thoughts and shred this moment that only took two seconds into, like, an infinity. Yeah. All the Doctor Strange, well, all the Hamilton, all the, a lot of things. Pacing. You know, slow down things. Interesting. And when, so if you really want to, like, What, what would be a reason to do that? Okay, so a reason to do that is usually to give your uh, reader, like, space to breathe from the scene so that they can process and internalize what's going on, the implications behind some of these things the significance behind it and uh it helps to like wet their palate for what's to come next would be another thing that i would suggest i just think that's cruel just get, <laughs> just get to it why are you making them be like this is like the right before they hit the ground and you're just like hmm i'm about to die and i go yes anyway those should be used the most sparing in all of your writing i would argue i guess to be fair i only know of like like in a story that has like lots of things it has some it has scene scene summary scene summary scene scene summary one dilation is that what you call it one yeah. dilation and then scene scene so like I, it really is like towards the end like every time i'm like thinking about like the examples at least that i said like that's what i'm thinking of it is it is used quite sparingly because you don't want to if you keep slowing down your zen, or or what is there a movie that like its trope is that it constantly like talks out to the audience deadpool, deadpool I mean, does there's do deadpool does it uh ferris bueller's day off does yeah that do he it? does that quite a bit in ferris bueller's day off uh, is I, that I dilate say, yeah i would say the best example of a movie of dilation is actually mega mind oh yeah that one does what? do it a lot yeah well because like he's he's falling the story is literally told as he's having like a flashback of his life. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess. I guess you. That's right. What I. So frame narratives typically are a dilation. But does that count as a? It does. Megamind. The whole movie is a dilation. Then by that standard, that doesn't make that doesn't okay, seem these, right. These, like terms and rules, they're kind of used arbitrarily. Everything is used arbitrarily. It's the same thing with rules. We're like, ah, oh, here are some rules. I'll only break them if you know how to use them. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of the case. This is something that uh, a lot of writers talk about as far as being a cook versus a chef. Is you learn how to cook using recipes and become the cook. You become the chef by understanding the fundamentals of what these these are trying to teach you and deciding whether or not it's right for your particular recipe. That is actually a great point. 
because my mother is a chef. My sister is a baker. I can follow a recipe, like, and that's what I have to do. But, like, my mom is the epitome of just, like, ah, I, it needs a little bit of this and does, like, a little, like, sprinkle, sprinkle, and it's exactly what it needs. I have no idea what that ingredient is, but my mom does just because she's been cooking for so long. And Lily's the same way. We're, like, she can follow a recipe, like, because it's, like, exact science, but she knows, like, oh, you need a little bit more flour. And I'm, like, I followed the recipe exactly. And she goes, it's way too liquidy. You're never going to be able to cook it like that. And I'm, like, I don't understand. <laughs> and so that's just how I am in my life period yeah. is i am i am the eat intermediate which i saw this thing the other day that was kind of interesting about like the stages to becoming good at something basically the idea was like when you're when you're getting it oh oh the four stages are in con unconscious incompetence it's when you don't understand how to do something and then and so you don't yeah conscious you understand how bad you are at it and then there's conscious competence where you that should be the last one shouldn't it no, unconscious competence there is the last go. one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because it goes, it goes. When you can do it good, but not even really, really like, realize. Realize or no. Yeah, okay. but the realize, but when you go from unconscious comp, um, unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, you think that you're unimproving, but really you're probably doing things better than you did before, but you just never consciously recognize that you were doing them wrong because you were unconscious to your incompetence. Incompetence. But now you're conscious to your incompetence. And I think about that a lot ever since I saw that post like two days ago. So I, I've thought about it a lot in the last two days about how like things in like the past, like with writing, how I'm just like, I am bad. This sucked. But really, I'm right on track. That's <laughs> right. Look at you. Positive thinking. Your pacing is on point. Exactly. So that- <laughs> Tied it all together. Boom. Again. Intentional. Right. Boom. So, that, so that's uh, another thing that I want to point out. Just this is true of this podcast as well as all the ones that have come before it. We are trying to help you guys as well as ourselves go from cooks to chefs by understanding the why behind things. And that's a lot of what this has been. And so even though we've been talking around pacing a lot and trying to figure out like why things are fundamentally different and why they work in a certain situations. It's understanding this why that will help you to be able to utilize pacing how you need and want to so you can get the uh, recipe that you're after. Look at Parker go saying smart things. See, we are positive, it all up Parker. For us. That, was, that was good. Way better than what I was saying this entire episode. <laughs> My thoughts are always far messier than Parker. Mine are always, and even when I edit them, they are. That's just the nature of me existing. That's just who I am as a person. You love it. I am. I am organized chaos. Is what I like to tell my mom every time she comes into my room. I'm just like. I love that for you. I was like, I know where things are. It looks like chaos to you, but it is organized chaos. You can't, like, I understand (laughs) where things are and where they need to be. It makes sense to me. And that's all that matters. So So don't touch it. All right. Well, I have anything else on pacing today. I feel like we're running out of time. Well, to, to completely throw out our pacing out the window, because I wasn't sure where to input this. Um, it's my last episode for a while. We have an announcement. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be my last time being on the unpublished and unqualified podcast for a while. 
Um, so I just wanted to give you all a heads up. I'm not dead. I'm not dying. Um, I will be coming back eventually, but it will be at least 18 months because <laughs> I am going on a church service mission for my church to, you know, do some welfare and teaching and all that sort of stuff um, for church. If you have questions, then you can totally um, email us at unpublishedandunqualified at gmail.com. We're more than happy to ask, answer your questions if you're just like, what? What is this? We love joy. Bring joy back. I love you too. Unfortunately, it will be 18 months. I'm going to tell you right now. But we just wanted to give you guys a heads up um, before I'm gone from the foreseeable future. Um, but, you know, come May 2023, hopefully everything will be fine and I'll be back. <laughs> but um, just giving you guys a heads up. So you guys get to remember me as my last thing being about pacing where I spent the whole time derailing our pacing. You're welcome. We love you that, for it. That's yeah. quite on brand for me, truly. Yeah, well, we are going to miss Joy so much. But don't worry. Uh, Parker, Parker and, and I will still be here, and we will be hopefully soon announcing another person that's going to be doing this with us or a couple people yes yeah. so no worries i they have to replace me by getting two more people that's how big of a personality i am true, true. we <laughs> have appreciated having joy we're excited for all the adventures that she's going to have we look forward to hearing about them and should she wish to share anything um that she has gained insight on maybe we can have a small segment on the podcast for her because we love you joy and we are excited for you well i love you all too and i'm excited for this podcast i'm excited to see what episodes i miss and i can listen to whenever i come back and i i'm just i'm just happy that we've been able to do this on in the short time that like i've been here you know like it, this wasn't even supposed to happen yeah. Like, you know what I mean? just met in a well, college creative writing club and it was, started this. Yeah, it was all very, like, this wasn't supposed to happen, but here we are recording our 12th episode plus two half episodes because they're the short stories that we wrote. So, like, but this is our 12th like, episode. So, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm proud of us for e even getting 12 episodes in. That's more than I've ever gotten before on anything. <laughs> So. Yeah, and this is a great time to do a little shout out to our audience and say thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you all so much. Yes, truly. You've I be able to like make this little thing happen. And I really appreciate like even if it is just like our friends and family. I like that even our friends and family are like genuinely enjoying listening to this because like you can listen to the first episode and then not listen again but the fact that we have people who like listen to all of it and like raven even like text me and it's just like yeah i think you're right i think sinister does have a fan club for the boogeyman i'm just like yeah i think he does i am not passionate enough or curious enough to find out if i am right and i'm gonna keep it that way <laughs> <laughs> i'll look but, it up for you joy don't worry yeah I don't know. This is real sappy. <laughs> this got real we're getting, sappy we're real gross. fast. Are you joining on the grossness or do you not? Sorry, we're being nice to you. Never mind. Carter, <laughs> <laughs> we love you. That's Even though we make fun of you all the time, we love you too. Oh, now, now I've joined in the sappiness. I was going to say there, there's one way we can get ourselves out of the sappiness and it's to bring me into the conversation. <laughs> uh, I'm being nice. We promised this episode. Well, we, we didn't did. promise. We promised Raven. All they wanted was for us to be nice to you, giving I... them what they want. Mom Thank wanted you. that. My mother wanted us to do that too, and so yeah. Did... Also, Joy's mom. I think. I think my sisters may have mentioned it too. <laughs> giving the people what they want. 
That should be like if we ever get merch, that should be one of the shirts. Be nice to Parker. <laughs> like hashtag be nice to Parker. No, I don't want to encourage that. That this was a one episode time thing only. Yeah, one. It's only this for is... the meme. People only wear it ironically. <laughs> <laughs> I need a, you're gonna have to send me while I'm on my church service mission the list of things that we add on to the list of, of reasons to make fun of Parker. Like, <laughs> oh, I will. I will send you. Keep me updated on this list yeah. as we add on to it as the podcast goes on, because I need to know yes. <laughs> for my sanity. Don't worry. Don't worry. But thank you so much for listening to Unpublished and Unqualified. I'm Joy. I'm Parker. I'm Callie. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at you and you writing prod, and you can email us at unpublished and unqualified at gmail.com. Links can be found in the show notes below or to the side or wherever they are. They can <laughs> now, be found. They can be found wherever the show notes are and wherever you're listening to this too. So now start writing and keep writing. <laughs> Do 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 do